0: Welcome. Welcome to the Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, the red letter basics, the example of the book of Acts, the word of the Lord, how he did things, and how he showed the disciples to do things. That's our example. That's what we've tried to follow, and that's what I'm trying to share with you. We dig deeper into Scripture. We don't water it down. We don't filter it. We just take it as it was written and offer it to you along with deeper meanings, the Hebrew and the Greek, and whatever we can to get you to understand the simplicity of the gospel and the basics of what we should be doing as his church. The porch has always been about restoring the priesthood of the believer and regaining the world shaking influence that the early church had. Hope that you want that and hope that's why you're here. If you have any questions, go to FirefallTalkRadio.com, use the contact button, or write us directly at The Porch at FirefallTalkRadio.com. One word, The Porch, lowercase. At FirefallTalkRadio.com. If you'd like to support what we do, and we appreciate each and every one of you that do, go to FirefallTalkRadio.com, and on the homepage there are ways to do that. Welcome to all of our listeners from all the various streaming sites and sources. We are glad that you are with us. Rosh Hashanah and the Tonight at Sundown taking us into the next feast day, which is Yom Kippur, Thursday, September 16th. The Feast of Tabernacles, otherwise known as Sukkot, begins on Tuesday, September 21st and ends on the 27th, which will end a month of renewal, moral responsibility, forgiveness, and joy. So I think that the timing of the teaching that we've been doing lines up with that. But before we get to that, If you don't want to be a part of the community aspect of the porch, go directly to the sound of the shofar, which takes you into the lesson. Otherwise, we start out with praise reports and prayer requests. Now, if you have not sent them in and we don't get to share them, you can be sharing them with the Lord along with us. First of all, I praise him for my salvation. Almost 33 years. Without that, I'm not here don't know where I'd be, but I would be lost and on my way to an eternal darkness. But I am thankful that he saved me, that he gave me back my family, my wife, and my two sons who grew up to be great young men who have their own wives and one has his own son. So I am blessed beyond measure by all these things. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the furry kids that we have. Some of you call them pets. We call them family. Praise Him for His provisions and His protection over each and every one of us. Right now in this fallen world, His protection is vital. So make sure you pray for that. Praise Him for the dreams and the visions, which for me of late have been pretty constant. Living out Joel 2.28 which began on the day of Pentecost and is still ongoing. Praise him for his healing virtues, which are still available to each and every one of us. And folks, let me say this. It's not that complicated. You don't have to jump through any hoops. You don't have to hop on one leg or say a specific prayer or do some magic potion. It's simply, he is a healer. By His stripes we were healed, healing in His name, in His blood. Stop making it so complicated and just trust Him. Believe and receive. I praise Him for favor and divine revelation. And the thing about favor is sometimes you have to let it catch up to you. So just believe and wait on Him to do His part. I praise Him for being a new creation for living in these prophetic times, for being about the family business and being a part of what he's doing, praising him for the signs that he's giving us, that he's getting ready to return. We're seeing them. I wish I had a date. I wish I could give you even greater hope and expectation, but we take it day to day, glory to glory, one eye on the sky and one eye on the job. So let's pray. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verse 6. May they prosper who love you. So I pray for Jerusalem. I pray for Israel. I pray for their leadership. I pray for him to protect his children, his church, his remnant. Praying for America. That God may once again shed his grace on us. We need it. We need his grace. We need his mercy. We need help. America's in trouble. I pray for the people of all the various nations that are in tumult right now. The people that are riding against the totalitarian efforts to shut down their society. All the things that are going on from America to Brussels to, to France to uh, Afghanistan, which are now under the rule. Got to be careful. I'm not going to say it, but people are being victimized by their leaders. We need to pray to the supreme leader, the one above all, for him to intercede and make things right. Praying for the fatherless and the widows, the persecuted, the martyred, those that are victims of injustice in and out of the womb, both human and animal. I'm praying for our brothers and sisters that are being persecuted and slaughtered for their faith all around the world. Some here, some in Canada. Praying for missing and exploited children, those that are victims of human trafficking. You would think that we have grown beyond that, but it seems to grow. But there are people out there fighting against it, and I'm praying for them, and I'm asking you to do the same. The persecution, the anti-Semitism, all the things that I'm seeing that are telling me that the Antichrist and the spirit of the Antichrist is working Behind the scenes, working through people, though we battle not with flesh and blood, excuse me, sometimes the battle is with those spirits in flesh and blood bodies. So I pray against those spirits and I pray for those people to repent, to be saved, healed, and delivered. But I also am very clear with the Lord if they are reprobate, if they are beyond saving, then he should deal with them in accordance with his word. I'm praying for each and every one of us, myself included, divine wholeness, health, and healing, getting back to our divine design. I've shared with you I've had some health struggles, and I'm trying to get them straightened out. doesn't look like I'm going to be getting the help of the um, doctors I've reached out to, so I'm going to have to trust the Lord for other ways to do that. So I'm asking that you join with me for that and for the finances to do it. And I'm praying for each and every one of you right now that are dealing with sickness, illness, injury, or disease, that in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, you be made whole, you be be healed and delivered, be glorified by His efforts and His love for you, that He be glorified. You see, when He shines His glory upon you, and changes you. It reflects off of you to others, and they see him. Praying for the remnant to wake up. Wake up, remnant. Rise up. Answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, then be a blessing. It's been a struggle around here, and I tell you, I understand, but I'm also going to keep seeking and keep knocking. My brother Larry and I, we pray every day. We pray for what we need to do what we're called to do, Please join with us in that prayer. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. If you know someone that's been blessed and they need a place to put it, let them know about the porch and SRT and firefall and the things that we need to get done. And I'm praying for our lost family members. Right now, you say them by name. I call you into the kingdom. I call you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the son of his love. I call you out of darkness and into the light. Healed, delivered, names written into the Lamb's book of life. In Yeshua's name I pray, amen. So, sound of the shofar, sundown here in uh, the East Coast. It's already sundown in Israel. But here's what I want you to do while that shofar sounds. I want you to claim His blessings. I want you to claim the fulfillment of His word. And his promises, I want you to believe and receive in Yeshua's name. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. So I sat down and began to work on this yesterday. Oops, you know what? I gotta go back. I have other praise reports and prayer requests. I got so caught up and I'm just going to go back and do it. Forgive me, forgive me. My son Jesse here in Orlando was offered a prayer request for the daughter of one of his clients. He's a uh, private trainer. She's 16 years old. Her name is Brianna, and she's on a feeding tube. So right now, let's stop. Change the format. We're going to pray right now for Brianna. Join with me. Lord, I just pray right now, wherever she is, in whatever hospital, whatever place she is, that your glory would shine down upon her, that your angels would be sent to minister to her. Father, we lay hands on her in the spirit. and We bind this COVID-19 virus, and we pray you'd heal her body, restore her body, Lord, so that she can be off this feeding tube. She can be a witness to your spontaneous healing and glory. And that, Lord, she can fulfill whatever plan you have for her in her life. In Jesus' name. Uh, the only one I other one I have is from Kim in Fort Mitchell. Um, shall we start out with a greeting? It says, hope you guys are doing well. I am forever grateful because I am deeply loved by my Father in heaven. He saved my soul and keeps me sober every day. I praise him for that. I praise him that my husband finally gets to have his surgery and that he's uh, been fighting for for so long. It probably is already over with, so we pray that it all went well and that his healing, um, he heals during his recovery. And Lord, I'm going to add to it that you begin to speak to him, to begin to invade his dreams, his thoughts, and his mind. It says, I'm praying for his soul to be saved. Father, I'm not sure what's going on on Maurice's campus, that's her son, but you know... Um, One of the students tried to take his own life the other night, and if you know anything about suicide, there is a spirit attached to it. It does spread, so we just find that right now. Uh, Her daughter, for the second time, has been exposed to someone who uh, tested positive for COVID, and apparently in their school system, if you've been exposed, whether you have it or not, you have to stay home for two weeks doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but then again, a whole lot of that doesn't make any sense to me. Kim says it's out of control. She's never had any symptoms, nor tested positive, but they still do that. She wants to go to school. Father, please make this witch hunt go away. Protect us and provide for us. If anything, we need your protection now more than ever. Save souls. Said something weird came up in the legal matter she had going on in Germany. It's reared its head again, so she's praying that that be resolved once and for all. Protect the innocent, Father, in Jesus' name. You know, when you flow with the Spirit, sometimes things go wrong. But maybe not. Maybe he wanted to go back. I mean, I definitely made a mistake, no doubt about it, but he let it happen. And I think if we're going to continue this conversation about choices having consequences, that there be consequences for everything we do, even when asking for prayer, there are positive consequences. You're seeking him. You're trusting him. Remember what I said before, the simplicity of it is this. He is a healer. He cares. He loves. Let's stop making it so difficult. That's why I always say, speak his word back to him, not because he doesn't know it. Of course he knows it. But what I'm saying is, by speaking his word back to him, about your need, about your desire, A, you're lining it up with the word, B, you're lining it up with his will, and you're presenting it to him in a form, as if you're in a courtroom that's in accordance with, with his rules. Which gets us back to where we are now. I didn't know what he wanted to talk about. I didn't know where he wanted me to go. I was going to start in another direction. And he said, you're not done. So go back with me to Galatians 6, starting with verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He will not allow himself to be ridiculed, nor treated with contempt, nor allow his precepts to be scornfully set aside. For whatever a man sows, this and only this will he reap. For the man who sows to his flesh his sinful capacity, his worldliness, his disgraceful impulses, will reap from the flesh ruin and destruction. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Sowing and reaping. Choices have consequences. We're going to take Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8, and we're going to jump back to Galatians 5, where Paul talks about walking in the Spirit, starting with verse 16. And the reason I'm taking you back there is because you cannot walk the walk without the Spirit "...guiding you. You cannot live properly and in accordance with His will without the Holy Spirit guiding you in your life. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish." But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which... I tell you beforehand, just as I have told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Messiahs, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. The law of sowing and reaping is a spiritual principle set in place by Almighty God, your Heavenly Father. It's not up for discussion. It cannot be negotiated. Walking in the Spirit is how we stay on the right side of that principle. Bottom line, people will harvest the consequences of their actions no matter who they are. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will also reap. The Lord wanted me to show you an example of this, and we've talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it again and some additional things I want to say about it. Go with me to Acts chapter 5. Starting with verse 1. You know, while I was speaking to you before the Holy Spirit was speaking to me, and thankfully that time I didn't get caught off guard because I was listening. He allowed me to make that mistake because somebody listened and did what I said. They wanted to get past the community part of the porch and went straight to the sound of the shofar. And by doing what I did... You got to hear somebody's prayer. So I don't know who you are or why he did that, but either A, you needed to hear about somebody else going through what you're going through, or B, you have a prayer assignment. Acts chapter 5, verse 1. But there was a certain man named Ananias who, with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the property to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. Bought part of the money... Now part of the property, there'd be a handful of dirt, and that would not be good. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit, and you kept some of the money for yourself." The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished, and after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, Was this the price you and your husband received for the land? Yes, she replied, that was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door, and they will carry you out, too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Now, the first thing I want to remind you is that this, this occurred under the covenant of grace. This occurs after the cross, the empty tomb in the upper room. But God's not going to be mocked. But he also needed to set an example for the new church. He was purifying it, and he was putting them into a mindset of holiness, a reverent frame of mind so that they could do what he needed them to do without this kind of leaven with sin in the mist. When we fear God, awesome, righteous, holy fear, the fear of man will never dissuade us from doing his will. When you love him, With all of your heart and all of your soul, you won't be tempted to defy his will. You want to please him. Now, Halley's Bible handbook says there, and he means Ananias and Sapphira, their death was an act of God, not of Peter. Peter didn't speak their death. He prophesied what was about to happen and was evidently intended to be an example for all time of God's displeasure at the sins of greed and religious hypocrisy. God does not strike us dead every time we are guilty of them. If he did, people would be falling dead in churches all the time. And let me tell you what, from what I know of how things work, pulpits would be empty and boardrooms would have empty seats in them. But the incident shows God's attitude toward a wrong heart. It's a warning. In the beginning days of the church... Against using or misusing the church as a means of self glorification. The incident as a disciplinary example did have an immediate salutary effect on the church. Boy, could we use some of this right now. People are using the church in their service to the Father and to the Lord for their own glorification for their own vainglorious purposes. And I find it interesting that Ananias, whose name means the Lord is gracious, and Sapphira, whose name means beautiful, had been given names suggesting righteousness and beauty by their parents. Maybe they had hoped that these qualities would come upon their children by giving them that name, but apparently greed And their desire to be venerated or looked up to stole that. These are early converts in the book of Acts church. And yet, Hasatan, Satan, got into their midst and into their heart. Now, what would inspire them to do this? Well, I believe Now, when they saw the reaction to the gift from Barnabas in Act 4, let me read it to you. Uh, All the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of Adonai Yeshua, Lord Jesus, and God's great blessing was upon them all. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. For instance, there was Joseph, one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi, and he came from the island of Cyprus. Barnabas sold a piece of land and gave that money entirely to the apostles. And somewhere along the line, and Ananias and Sapphira wanted the same accolades. They wanted the same attention. But they didn't want to give up all their money. But the, nobody told them they had to give up all their money. They simply lied. And I can tell you in agreement with Allie's Bible Handbooks, I've been in enough meetings and I've been in enough uh, behind the scenes of enough ministries to know that if God still did this, Be a lot of people dropping dead. Hypocrisy has no place in the body of Messiah. Their sin wasn't that they held the money back, but that they lied about it. And they were seeking man's favor instead of God's. Spiritual hypocrisy, selfishness, and deceit is a leaven in the body that when it grows, it takes over the entire lump. I don't know why. I don't hear a whole lot of people talking about this. I follow a lot of ministries and I look at the great work they do, but then I'm put off by their self-glorification, by their promotion, by their making sure you know what they're doing, which goes right against what the Lord said about the Pharisees who stand on the corner and give great speeches about what they've done instead of keeping it to themselves, not letting the right hand know what the left hand is doing and getting their blessings and their rewards from their Father in heaven. Go with me to Revelation 21 starting with verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, and this is the Lord speaking to John, Write, for these words are true and beautiful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I've mentioned this before, but being in the film business, the entertainment business, you you have to negotiate special billing. If you ever see credits and it goes on and on, and then it says, and -and so-and-so, that's called special billing. That had to be negotiated. Liars get special billing in the lake of fire because they are the opposite of the spirit of truth and the nature of the Father. He who overcomes, that's you and me overcomes the world by adhering faithfully to Messiah Yeshua as Lord and Savior, will inherit these things, and he will be our God, and we will be his child. But as for the cowards, the unbelieving, the abominable who are devoid of character and personal integrity and practice or tolerate immorality, in other words, politicians, I put that in, that's not in the Bible, I did that. And murderers and sorcerers, which refers to drugs, intoxicating drugs, the Greek word being pharmakeia, and idolaters and occultists who practice and teach false religions, and all liars who knowingly deceive and twist the truth. Their part will be in the lake that blazes with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That word cowardly. We cannot be cowards. We have to have courage and patient endurance. That's what it's going to take in this conflict between the Lamb of God and the dragon, Asetan. Courage. Unbelieving means you are the opposite of faithfulness. Abominable it means repulsive, offensive, vile. You've been polluted by the earth, by the things of this world. And I really like the sorcerers. That literally in the Greek means refer to those dealing in drugs, which is where pharmakia and the word pharmacy comes from. Makes you wonder how he's going to feel about all these people that do what they do with Big Pharma. And the liars are those who deviate from the truth and join with the deceivers, and we know who the father of lies is. The one thing I've always gotten from this teaching, from Ananias and Sapphira, is about a vow. If you say you're going to do something, do it. According to the Holman Bible Dictionary, vows are a voluntary expression of devotion usually fulfilled after some condition has been met. Vows in the Old Testament usually were conditional. A common formula for vows was if, then, then. If you do this, then this will happen. The one making the religious vow proposed that if God did something, a protection, a blessing, or victory, then he or she would do something in an act of devotion. Not all vows, however, were conditional, such as the Nazarite vow in Numbers 6, which is what Samson was dedicated to through his parents. Those were made out of devotion to God, with no request placed upon God. But, whether conditional or not, the emphasis in the Bible is on keeping the vow. A vow unfulfilled is worse than a vow never made. So the first time the Lord began to teach me about this, it was teaching me about me. Keep your word, do what you say. Deuteronomy 23, verses 21 through 23. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you, and it would be sin to you. But if you abstain from vowing, it shall not be sin to you. That which is gone from your lips, you shall keep and perform. For you voluntarily vowed to the Lord your God what you have promised with your mouth. The power of life and death is in the tongue. If you say you're going to do something, no matter what it is, keep your word. There's no excuse, well, something came up. I'm sorry, that doesn't fly in my world. I was raised that way before I was born again. I was raised that that even if it hurts, you do what you say you're going to do. To tell you the truth, that's really a lost concept in this world. Because I've been on the short end of that equation, but I've always kept my word. Ecclesiastes 5, starting with verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin. Nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? Ananias and Sapphira made a vow that they did not keep. Vows are voluntary, but they must be performed. If you've said you're going to do something, do it. Whatever it is, just do it. be I, I read this quote by John Wooden, I've shared it before. He was the coach of the championship UCLA basketball teams. And he said, be more concerned with your character than with your reputation. Because your character is what you really are, while your reputation is merely what others think you are. For some reason today, and it's gotten worse since I first started studying this 30 years ago, it seems to get worse instead of better. We have a lot of people like Ananias and Sapphira who make commitments and then don't follow through. And thankfully, his grace gives them time to fix their mistakes. And I can tell you, having been in ministry for a long time, I've been on the wrong end of those promises. And what I have found is that every one of those people made a promise that they did not keep. Somewhere along the line, they paid a price. Now, price didn't come from God. That price set their action set in motion access to them by the enemy in this fallen world. And I've seen people make vows that years later have lost their businesses, lost all their finances, their health, things that they held dear, all because they didn't honor their word. That's what Ananias and Sapphira did. And it wasn't about the money or the amount of money. We could look at Mark 12 with the widow with the two mites. And in one of his last acts of ministry, Yeshua was sitting outside the treasury. And he saw how people were putting the money into the treasury. And many were rich, put in much. But then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrant. Quadrant. The so he called his disciples to himself, and he said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now a mite is half a Roman quadrant, which is half a farthing, which to make it real easy for you is one-eighth of a cent. It's the smallest coin used. It was all she had. And she gave it all. That's love. That's commitment. That's a desire to be blessing to others. And what the Lord was trying to get his disciples to understand, and I believe that they did, was that great fruit is created... By what you sow. She sowed it all. I've told the stories before and I'd have to dig up the facts and the figures, but there have been many great men and women throughout history that have been blessed immeasurably by the Lord, who instead of giving ten percent and keeping ninety, gave ninety and kept ten. And the more they gave away, the more he gave to them. It's not about the money. It's not about the measure of what was given. But it's the motive from which it's been given. See, Peter had been given revelation knowledge by the Holy Spirit about what Ananias and Sapphira were going to do. About their deceit. And either one of them could have immediately told the truth. The wife could have come in and changed her mind and said, no, Peter, that's not true. And she wouldn't have died. See, there's always an opportunity for grace. God always gives us a way out. But they didn't take it. And it cost them everything. And they became an example to the book of Acts Church. Now, let, let me be clear about something. This thing about the land and selling and feeding people, that's not socialism. This was a free will arrangement, not forced upon them. Something they tro- chose to do to support the church. Which lines up with Second Corinthians 9, verse 7. You must decide, or I could say you have to choose in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Don't grit your teeth. Oh, I'm going to give ten percent, but I don't want to. He doesn't want your gift. That's not that's not coming from a cheerful giver. Make your vows to the Lord and pay them. Whatever present you've said you're going to give him, give it to him. Psalm seventy-six, verse eleven, the the Richard Grun version. Peter gave them an opportunity to tell the truth, and they didn't. And they both wound up in the ground. I don't know where they went. That's been a question of mine. Were they born again? Because if they were, they probably wouldn't have made that decision. But what I do know is that their their life here ended. And while it may not have cost them eternity, I'm sure it cost them their eternal rewards. So it's not without reason that Acts 5.11 said, Great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. Which is why I say we really need some of that right now. We really need some people to understand that he's a holy God. He's a righteous God. Yes, he's dad. He's Abba. But you need to understand who dad is. And every now and then, Dad's got to chastise us to remind us who he is. But the late Dr. S.D. Gordon, in one of his Quiet Talks, which was a series of books, he wrote about Moses and the judgment that prevented his entrance into the Promised Land. And he described how in succeeding succeeding generations... Hebrew mothers told stories to their children before putting them to bed. The boys and girls were told the exploits of great leaders, how he had brought the captives from Egypt and led them to the borders of Canaan. But then the women told their little ones of his inability to enter the land that flowed with milk and honey. Gordon described the astonishment of the listeners and imagined how they asked, But mother, why didn't Moses enter the land? And very quietly, she replied, because he disobeyed God. Thus God did teach a nation the value of obedience. Doubtless the same truth is applied to the death of Hananias and Sapphira. The story of their demise became a source of instruction, reminding the church that honesty with God is the first step to spiritual health. Throughout the Bible, Especially the Old Testament. Numbers 30 verse 2. A man who makes a vow to God or makes a pledge under oath must never break it. He must do exactly what he has said he would do. Now you say, well, I've never done that. I've never made a promise about money. or anything. It's not always about money. Maybe you made a promise to go visit somebody. Maybe you just made a promise to pray. And you haven't done it. Now he's not going to strike you dead. And I'm not even sure what would cause him to allow the enemy have access to you. But if nothing else, you would disappoint him. Maybe it's just me. I can't deal with that. I just can't deal with knowing I've disappointed him. And I have many times since I've been saved. And I've wept. I've been broken hearted. By my actions. And I've always gone to him. Like a child. Seeking his forgiveness. And he's always given it. But if you love him that much. Your heart is filled with that love. You see when Peter said to Ananias. Why have you let Hasatan. Why have you let the adversary. Why have you let Satan. Fill your heart. Ananias' heart should have been filled with the love. For the Lord should have been filled with other things. But instead, Satan filled it. Why have you let? Why have you made a choice? Why have you chosen to do this? Do you not understand there are consequences? Free will. That's what it was all about for Adam and Eve. That it was what it was about for, for Satan whenever he was who he was before he became the adversary. Free will. The Lord wasn't surprised. The Father wasn't surprised. He knew he would do it. He made a way out before it even happened. If the Lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world tells me in accordance with a a, a revelation that Larry had that he knew from the beginning when he spoke everything into existence what would happen and that a Lamb of God would be needed. That is some serious love. That he made us anyway. Knowing full well what we would do. My destiny, your destiny, is not determined for us. It's determined by us. Oh yeah, we have a calling. He has a desire for us. He has a plan for us. But we must choose to do what's necessary to fulfill that calling. Our free will is a part of his sovereign will. And there are times I wish he would just make the decision for me and make the decision for someone else, but he just won't do that. Because then they don't learn, then I don't learn, you don't learn. We learn from our mistakes, we learn by the doing. We have the freedom to choose the course that we're going to take. We have the freedom to choose the path in which we walk. We have the freedom to choose who we're going to walk it with. But he has the freedom to decide the consequences for our choices. He makes it clear to us in his word what he desires. He desires his best for us. But we must choose it. And the result of choice is not the inevitableness of the law. It's the inevitability of God, of the love of God. So the first challenge for the new church came from within. Not from the enemy, it came from within. Oh yeah, Satan got into the heart of Ananias and Sapphira, but they were the ones who committed the sin. The greed and hypocrisy, deceit, and a false relationship with the Lord and a false fellowship with the church. Judgment begins At the house of the Lord. You want judgment in this world? Then it has to begin at the house of the Lord. Great fear needs to come upon the house of God. The church needs to be chastised, in my opinion. It needs to be straightened out. We need to stop the games. We need to stop the dog and pony show. We need to stop the form of religion but deny the power thereof. We need to stop the lights and the smoke and the mirrors and the performance thing and get back to preaching the gospel, getting people saved, healed, and delivered. Get people off the stage and into the streets. Get people out of the pews and into the prisons and the nursing homes or wherever. The church, the ecclesia, the called out, the the congregation, the assembly of God's people. It's the first time we hear it in Acts 5. Great fear came upon the whole church. They had come into agreement that everything that they had would be to take care of one another. I don't know what that was like. I don't know what they decided. But somewhere they decided that they were going to take care of one another. Hebrews 10.31 It is a fearful and terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God, incurring his judgment and his wrath. I'm going to paraphrase that. It is a fearful and terrifying thing to displease dad and have to be corrected by him. This is the message for us. This is the message for the world. We need to become selfless. We need to become transparent. And we must never be selfish or hypocritical. Lord did a whole lot for us. And that's an understatement. I mean, even saying that feels dumb. He gave it all. Every drop of blood. Pieces of his skin. Pieces of his beard. He gave us privileges in the process. The Matthew Henry commentary says, The privileges are the boldness to enter the Holy of Holies. To have access to God, light to direct us, liberty of the spirit, and speech to conform to the direction. To have a right to the privilege and readiness for it, assistance to use and improve it, and the assurance of acceptance and advantage. They may enter into the gracious presence of God in his holy oracles, ordinances, providences, and covenants, so into communion with God where they receive communications from him till they are prepared to enter into his glorious presence in heaven. We've been given this by the blood of the Lamb and his payment for us to have access to them. We've been given all these privileges to use his name, to lay hands on the sick, To cast out demons. And it's not about the casting out of demons. It's about healing the people. Satan is defeated. The fallen are defeated. Their demonic offspring are defeated. We've been called to enforce the victory of Calvary against an enemy that refuses to submit. And sometimes we have to force them to submit. Maybe even publicly embarrass them. To let others know. But we do this because of his love. We do this for how much he loved the world and his creation to do this for him. Us doing it for him. It is by his love for us and our love for him that we make sure the choices we make have the right consequences. If you want to be effective in ministry, if you want to be effective in his kingdom, if you want to be effective in his service, you've got to get the basics down. The basics are choose to do right and do it. Keep your word. Follow through. It's real simple. We have to get back to the simplicity of the gospel, the simplicity of the walk, the simplicity of the book of Acts Church. Who did it without social media? Who did it without any promotion? The Holy Spirit was their promoter, was their PR, public relations. The signs and the wonders which confirmed the word. That's what brought the people. There was no advertising. Of course, they didn't do that because it would have gotten them killed. It just seems to me in the countries that have an underground church seem to have a whole lot more signs and wonders and an explosion of evangelism because it's done without all the help of the world, the social media, or all the things that Hasatan has created to distract us. I, for one, am ready to see a true explosion, a true manifestation of the church. So, Father, I, I pray that I've done what you asked me to do. I pray I've gotten the point across and not belabored it or made it seem like it was about me or my frustration because it's not. I pray that you've touched a heart or a mind or touched somebody with these words to change your direction. Like we talked about last week, repentance is a change in direction. To change their walk, to change how they pray, to change what they do for you so that it lines up with your word. I pray that you would reveal to us not what we think about you, but what the truth is about you. We've been conformed to a fallen world system that has seeped into your church, your ecclesia. We need to know you. We need to know what you want of us and how you want us to do it in this final move of the kingdom of God against the powers of darkness to set the captives free. For the sons and the daughters and the husbands and the wives and the aunts, the uncles, the cousins, the friends, whoever right now are being stolen by the wolves and dragged out into the woods. The simplicity of the gospel is go get them. Go rescue them. Stop the enemy from what he's doing. So right now, I stand in the gap. And if anybody wants to agree with me, you can stand with me. I stand in the gap for every sheep that has wandered away. Every one that has been ignored or not been fed properly or just thought the grass was greener. I stand in the gap for them, Lord, that you would leave the 99 for the one and bring them home. That you would help set them free. I stand in the gap for every family member who once knew you that have backslid and are in danger of an eternity without you. I stand in the gap for every son or daughter that doesn't know who you are in the fullness as Abba, as Father. And I stand in the gap for every person that has been restricted and kept from the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit and the gifts, so that they can be what we've talked about this entire hour a part of your family, a part of your congregation who makes a difference in your kingdom. And I pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let me just end with this before I say the uh, the blessing. The upper room began something that is still ongoing. Find your way back to the upper room. Find your way back to integrity and humility and honesty. Honesty and a a sold out love for the Lord. Find your way back to the simplicity of the gospel. The simplicity of his word. Find your way back to the cross. To the empty tomb. And to the upper room. If you'll do that, you will find your way. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio. <laughs>